Amen. Good to be with all of you tonight. Genesis chapter 40 tonight as we continue our series looking at the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 40. While you're finding your place there, just a reminder to be in prayer about Sunday's service. Um, we're going to be asking people to come who feel a need to be prayed for for healing, whether that's spiritual, emotional, or physical healing. And so I would just appreciate you even just bathing Sunday's services, both 9 and 11 o'clock, in your prayers. The life of Joseph is about learning to be fruitful through affliction. Joseph certainly understood affliction. He had been rejected by his brothers and thrown into a pit. He had been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. And tonight we're going to see, even after he helps the cupbearer of Pharaoh, he is forgotten. And yet through it all, the Lord is with him. And God is teaching him to be consistent through all circumstances. He wants Joseph to make the best and the most of every situation that he finds himself in. So tonight, we find Joseph in prison. And so let's pick it up in Genesis Chapter 40, we learn at the end of chapter 39, after the false accusation of Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife, that Potiphar has Joseph thrown into prison. I do want to note this, as I shared last week at the end. If you look at chapter 39, verse 20, this wasn't just any prison in Egypt. This was the king's prison. Why is that significant? Because, again, it reminds us that God is in the intimate details of our life. It was no accident that Joseph was sold to Potiphar. Therefore, it was no accident that if he ever offended Potiphar, which prison he would go, because that was also going to be the prison that when the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh offended Pharaoh, that's where they would go. God knew all this. God didn't cause all this, but God knew all this and began to order the steps of Joseph to bring about his purposes, not just for Joseph, but for many, many others. Remember, Joseph is sort of the forerunner. He's the pioneer. He's the one that gets to Egypt before anyone else. And God is going to use him not only to save Egypt, but to save Israel. And so he's got big plans for Joseph. But he's also doing a lot of training in Joseph's life. He's taking Joseph through all of these things because he wants to bring about a depth in Joseph and a humility in Joseph that would not be there otherwise. He was training Joseph how to lead and how to be a leader because one day he would become the second most powerful man on planet Earth. So, we pick it up in chapter 40, verse 1. After these things happened, 
the cupbearer to the king of Egypt, and the royal baker offended their master, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. They fell out of favor with him. Pharaoh was enraged, very displeased with his two officials, the cupbearer and the baker, so he imprisoned them in the house of the captain of the guard in the same facility where Joseph was confined, and the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be their attendant, and he served them. Let's stop there. First of all, we are learning from the story of Joseph something that we see throughout the Bible and throughout our own lives and how God works. And that is that God can accomplish many things at the same time, because he's God. You and I, we need to like be focused on one thing and you know, get that done and all of that. God can accomplish many layers of things at the same time. I mean, he's setting this whole thing up for Joseph, putting all of the pieces together and that's where God calls us to trust him because many times we don't know all that's going on in all these other places with all these other people, but God is lining it all up even for us. And that's why God asks us to trust him. God was going to bring Joseph into contact with the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh. Again, no, no accident. God was 10 steps ahead. And it reminds us that there are people that God brings into our life for a short time, and there are people that God brings into our life for a very long time, but you can always count on this. God is very purposeful about who he brings into our life. We need to be mindful of that. God is very purposeful about who he brings into our life, short-term or long-term. Let me give you an example from my own life. The couple that basically is the reason we came to Arizona 18 years ago we really don't have much contact with them now at all. And yet God used them to bring us here. Pretty significant, and yet it wasn't over the long haul. There were several people that God used to help us get the church started, who are no longer now part of our church, right? And yet there are some of you, you came very soon after the church started, and you've been here pretty much ever since. In either case, God was purposeful in who he brought into our life. God is going to be the same way. He was purposeful in landing Joseph in the family of Potiphar, and now he's very purposeful in bringing Joseph into contact with the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh. They were imprisoned in the very same prison. Which also reminds us again, God wants us to get to a place where we recognize 
that we can be used, or to say it another way, that God can use us no matter where we're at or what circumstances we're in. God was going to use Joseph while he was in prison. God used many people while they were in prison. So we don't need to be in a certain place or a certain position for us to be used by God or for God to use us. I mean, obviously, God wants us to be sometimes in a particular place, and he calls us to a particular place. But throughout our lives and even throughout our days, our weeks, our months, our years, as we move even through life, it's not as important where we are at any one time as much as it is who we are. Because if we are the right person, meaning our life is aligned with God, and we are walking with him, and we are living in fellowship with him, then God can pretty much drop us anywhere, and we'll bring him glory. Even in prison. You see, we don't need to be in optimal circumstances for God to use us. Think of Paul and Silas when they were in prison in the book of Acts. People got saved because they were in prison. So God is very purposeful about the people that he brings into our life and the places sometimes that we end up that we go, why am I here? Well, there's a reason for it. We'll get to that in just a moment too. Notice verse 4. This is interesting, isn't it? Who's the captain of the guard? Potiphar. Who's assigning Joseph this position of leadership in the prison? Potiphar. So that tells us something. Either Potiphar has softened in his attitude and anger towards Joseph, or this is more what I think. I'll find out maybe when I get to heaven. That Potiphar realized in time that his wife was making stuff up and that Joseph really didn't do what his wife accused him of doing. Otherwise, why would Potiphar have given Joseph this position of leadership in the prison. And then notice this about Joseph. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be their attendant, which, by the way, in the Hebrew, that also means being attentive. We're going to see this. You know one of the reasons why Joseph was used by God? Because he was attentive to others. And then it says he served them. What makes a good servant? Someone who's attentive. Someone who's observant. We're going to see that in just a moment. Someone who's willing to wait on others. Notice here that Joseph is learning the importance of being a servant. And that there is dignity in serving others no matter where it is and no matter what I'm doing. God brings dignity to service. 
which I think is why one of the most powerful images in the Bible is, is Jesus wrapping that towel around him and stooping to wash his own disciples' feet. The Son of God. And yet he is saying, don't be afraid of bending your knee and serving others. There is honor and dignity with God in being a servant. God wants all of us to learn to be his servants and to serve others, to find our place of service in his kingdom. And he calls all of us to be servants. What is the thing that we aspire to that the Bible teaches us when we get the glory? Well done, good and faithful what? Servant. God places a premium on becoming and being a faithful servant. Joseph was learning that. Before one can lead, one must serve. In fact, leadership isn't telling everyone else how to serve. Leadership is actually reaching a higher level of servanthood. It is servanthood to the nth degree. That's what leadership is from a spiritual, biblical viewpoint. It's never relinquishing being a servant. It's actually becoming a greater servant as we lead. Then notice the end of verse 4. They spent some time in custody. We don't know how long this took, but it took time. In fact, I want you to just glance over real quick at chapter 41 and look at verse 1. After he was forgotten by the cupbearer, Joseph had to spend two more years in prison. We find out that when Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, he was 17 years old. Do you know how old he was when Pharaoh finally exalted him? 30. 13 years he waited for God's purposes to be worked out. 13 years he waited for the dream, the revelation, the vision that God gave him to come to fulfillment. 13 years. Long time, isn't it? It reminded me of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I want to bring that passage up at this point. You may want to read it later or study it later. It's the passage about there is a time and purpose for everything under heaven. And then you come to the verse that says, but we need to trust God in the waiting and in the timing of everything because he alone can make everything fit beautifully in its time. Now think about that. In a sense, then, Solomon is saying our lives are like a puzzle with all these different puzzle pieces laid out on a table. And you and I, because we're human, we're in the midst of the puzzle pieces which is why it's impossible for us, because we're finite, 
to be able to look around at the different puzzle pieces and wonder how they all fit. Well, God, why are you doing this? Or why did you allow this? And why didn't you do this? Because we're trying to figure out our puzzle of our life and how all the pieces of our life's puzzle fits together. But God doesn't have that perspective. God has this perspective. God's looking down, and you and I then understand that because try putting a puzzle together without looking at it from above, and it's going to be really hard, isn't it, to see how all those pieces fit together if you're at the same level as the puzzle pieces. But when you are raised up to a higher level and you can see the puzzle pieces from up top, then you can start to see and put all those puzzle pieces together and see how they fit. And that's the way God designs our life. And that's why God says, I know you can't see how all this fits together, but you've got to trust me that in time, maybe even in eternity, I will show you how all these different pieces of your life fit to form a beautiful story and a beautiful masterpiece for my glory and a story about your redemption. And that's Joseph. I mean, think, Joseph could have sat there in prison and gotten really bitter. Why, God, did my mother die when I was so young? Why did my father favor me in that way? Because all that did was make my brothers hate me and, and entered into this family turmoil. And, and I never had peace in my family. All I ever knew in my family growing up was that it was just, it was not a pleasant environment. And why, God, did I get sold into slavery and, and come to this, I, I, even though my home life wasn't the best, I mean, it was home, and, and now I've spent the majority of my years in a foreign land. And why, God, did you allow this woman to falsely accuse me when I did everything right? And I mean, Joseph could have had all these things of why God, why God, why God? But he trusted that God was putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and they would paint a beautiful picture one day. Anytime we're confronted with time in the Bible, time in our life, time where we're in God's waiting room, waiting for that new season, waiting for something to happen, waiting for that prayer to be answered, waiting to get to the next thing. Remember, God will make everything fit beautiful in its time. Don't try to put the puzzle pieces of your life together from the ground. Trust God that he's putting them together from glory, from much higher up. Verse 5, both of them, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Who brought about Joseph's dream, God? Who was now giving the cupbearer and the baker a dream, a vision, a revelation? God. God was working in people that didn't even know him. That's the way God is. Again, God can work in anyone or anything. God can work behind the scenes when we don't even know it. God can speak into people's lives at night on their bed, and we'll never know it. 
God obviously speaks to us. I, I mean, I, I know he speaks to me a lot at nighttime. <laughs> Probably does to you too. So we cannot discount that God is always at work. And he gave each of them a dream, knowing that they would be troubled by not being able at this point to be in the palace and be able to turn to the usual magicians and astrologers of Egypt, which is what they would have done normally had they had a dream. But they're in prison. They're now confined to prison. They don't have anyone to turn to. And here's the thing. Egyptians thought that dreams did come from the gods and always had some kind of meaning. And therefore, it would have drew, driven them crazy to not find some resolve or some resolution, if you will, to what these dreams meant. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw, he was observant that they were looking depressed. Now, again, I just went through. Joseph, humanly speaking, had every right to have an attitude in the tank at this point in his life. He had every right to be bitter, to be resentful, to be angry, to be frustrated and all that. And yet Joseph, through the Lord, is able to keep his attitude in a great place, saying, I'm going to make the best of it while I'm here. And the reason we know that's the case is because the first thing you and I do when we're in an unhealthy spiritual place is we turn inward, not outward. All we think about is, oh, woe is me, and all we think about is self. Notice, Joseph was not thinking about himself. He noticed that the demeanor and the countenance of these two men that he had been with now for some time had changed. He noticed that. And it opened up for him a door of opportunity to minister. And not only to minister, but to bring glory to God simply because he was attentive, he had a servant's heart, and he was observant. Those same principles hold true today. I'm not saying that God holds us responsible for all the needs of the people around us. My goodness, we'd never, you know, get anything else done. But what I am saying is there may be times during a year, a month, a week, a day, where if we stopped going through our day just thinking about ourselves and took time like Joseph just even to look around and notice and be attentive and observant, there may be people that we could minister to people that we could even just maybe give a kind word to. <laughs> Man, in, in this world right now, just being kind to somebody stands out, doesn't it? I've noticed that. Holding the door for somebody when you go in somewhere or, you know, helping them carry something or saying a kind word or something, it, it stands out today. Being attentive, being observant, seeing someone sitting in the corner somewhere, maybe of a coffee shop, and tears going down their cheek. 
Maybe you pray and say, God, do you want me to go over and just say, hey, I don't want to, you know, butt in where I don't belong, but I just want to let you know I, I saw you and I, I, I'm just going to be praying for you. See, this is Joseph. This is the way Joseph is living his life, even in prison. He says, I noticed that you were depressed, dejected, despondent. Because again, Joseph had noticed what they normally were like. Therefore, when there was a change in them, Joseph noticed that too. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in custody in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? And they told him, we both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph responded, don't interpretations belong to God. Notice, Joseph, a couple things, is unwilling to take the credit for being able to interpret dreams. He's going to give all the credit to God. He doesn't come and say, well, I've got this great ability. No, he says, they belong to God. God's going to use me to share the interpretation with you, but I can't do that without God. It's God working through me. So he gives all the credit and glory to God. And then notice, God had given Joseph this gift. Even way back when God first gave him a dream to be able to comprehend and interpret that dream and its meaning, which is why he shared the dream and its meaning and interpretation with his own family who rejected that interpretation in that dream. But nonetheless, God had given him a gift. So what is Joseph doing here? He is using his giftedness for the glory of God. He's using the things, the abilities, the talents, the skills, the gifts that God blessed him with to be able to bring him glory. God works the same way today. What are your gifts? What are your abilities? What are your talents? What are your skills? Are you using them for the glory of God and the benefit of others, which is Joseph? And Joseph has no problem believing that God can do this because like we read in Jeremiah 32, there's nothing too hard or difficult for God. God knows the meaning of these things because God's the one that gave it to you in the first place. This all came from God and goes back to God. So he was confident that all God would have to do is just reveal to him the interpretation and he will share it with these men. So the chief cupbearer told him his dream. He said, in my dream, there was a vine in front of me. On the vine, there were these three branches. As it budded, it blossoms opened. Its clusters ripened into grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes, squeezed them into this cup, put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said, this is its meaning. This is its interpretation. Joseph said, the three branches represent three days. In three more days, Pharaoh will reinstate you and restore you to your office. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you did before when you were cupbearer. But then notice what Joseph does. He says, but remember me when it goes well for you and show me kindness or favor or grace. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this prison for I was really kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews and I have done nothing wrong here for which they should put me in a dungeon. You know what Joseph is doing? He's leveraging the relationships that God brought into his life. That's the way God wants us to live our life. It's, again, no accident the people 
that are in our lives and the relationships we have and the friends that we have. There's purposes why God brings certain people in. Joseph is simply saying, look, he's not asking for any favors. He's never even asking to meet Pharaoh. He's not asking to be the second most powerful person in Egypt. All he's saying is, could you put in a good word for me when you get out? Just let Pharaoh know what I did for you so that maybe I can get out of here. It's no accident who the people are that God's brought into your life. And it's okay to leverage, not in a always like do something for me, but there are times where, oh, you know, it's like even here at the church. We have a need. We first like to look within before we look out you know, to see if there's somebody within our church family that has that skill or that ability or that talent to be able to help us out before we go outside. Same thing is true in our lives. That's what Joseph did. When the chief baker, verse 16, saw that the interpretation of the first dream was favorable, good or agreeable, he said to Joseph, I also appear, uh, appeared in my dream and there were three baskets of white bread on my head. In the top basket, there were baked goods of every kind for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them from the basket that was on my head. Joseph replied, well, this is the interpretation. The three baskets represent three days. In three more days, Pharaoh will de uh, decapitate you and impale you on a pole. Then the birds will eat your flesh from you. Here's what we take from that. There are times where being God's servant means having the courage to tell people what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. I'm sure that wasn't easy for Joseph to do, but Joseph also wasn't going to lie. He was going to reveal the truth to the baker. And you and I sometimes are called by God to say hard things that need to be said to others, and God leads us to do that. Remember the verse in the Bible? Faithful are what? The wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Joseph was simply telling him the interpretation. He wanted to know. I know there are times there's been Sundays and Wednesdays it's like, oh, I have this message and it's really not like a, you know, like uplifting, positive type message, but it's one that God wants us all to hear. I even struggle with that still. Like, I wish I could just give us all like, you know, positive messages, but sometimes we got to deal with tough stuff too. That's just the way it is sometimes. So on the third day, it was Pharaoh's birthday, verse 20, and he gave a feast for all his servants. He lifted up, no pun intended, the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker in the midst of his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so that he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but the chief baker he impaled just as Joseph had predicted because it was God's word, not just Joseph's. But then notice this. But the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. When he got released, he forgot to mention Joseph. Now, here's something interesting. 
When you study this Hebrew word, it literally means to be oblivious. Think about that in contrast with Joseph. What was Joseph or who was Joseph in prison with this man? He was observant. He was attentive. But this man who had now been helped by Joseph was oblivious. He just went on his merry way, enjoyed his freedom, and forgot about Joseph. Two things in closing tonight. One is an exhortation or an encouragement for all of us. Let us all cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Not only remembering our God and all of the blessings that he bestows upon us, but also remembering to be grateful, appreciative, and thankful for others who have helped us to get where we are today. Let's not forget. Let's remember. And be careful to show our appreciation, our gratitude, and our thankfulness to those who've helped us to get where we are. Because here's the truth. None of us are where we are today simply because of us. There were people in our lives that have helped us get to this place. We did not get here on our own. Let's not forget. And then in closing tonight, you can leave Genesis, go over to the book of Isaiah. I thought this would be an encouraging place to end. Isaiah, you know, since I'm in Isaiah, I'm thinking of Isaiah all the time now. Isaiah chapter 49. The people of God at this time, like we've been studying Isaiah on Sunday morning, oh, they just struggle that God cares about them and loves them and all of this. And, you know, God, are you paying attention and all that? Basically, you've forgotten about me, God. So God, through the prophet Isaiah, says these words to his people, beginning in verse 14 of Isaiah 49. Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me. The sovereign master has forgotten me. And we've all been there. God says, can a woman forget her baby who nurses at her breast? Can she withhold compassion from the child she has born? Even, even if mothers were to forget, which doesn't happen very often, notice what God says. And he's saying this to you and I tonight. Please hear God say this to you tonight personally. I could never forget you. Look, I have inscribed your name on my palms and your walls. Basically, all that you have, all that you are, are constantly before me. Joseph was forgotten. But we're going to learn next week, even God had a reason for that. Because we're going to learn next week, if the cupbearer would have went to Pharaoh and said, hey, we need to get this guy out of prison now, 
even two years ahead of time, Joseph would have not been in the place that he was to interpret Pharaoh's dream two years later and actually rock it to the position that God had for him. God was even in that. God was working all things together for good. Even Joseph said at the end of the book of Genesis, you meant evil against me, speaking to his brothers, God meant it for good. God didn't cause the evil to come to Joseph's life, but God used all of it to not only bring glory to him, but to also bless Joseph and bless others all the way along. God was with Joseph every step of the way, and God is with you every step of the way of your life. God will never forget you. He has engraved you on the palms of his hands. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for the encouragement, Lord, that we get from studying the life of Joseph, your servant, a man who went through so much and yet was learning to be fruitful even through and in his afflictions. God, I pray that we would have that kind of faith and faithfulness too as we live our lives, realizing, Lord, that we don't need to be in certain places or positions to serve you and to be used by you and to be used by you greatly and to bring you glory. God, you can use us anywhere at any time in any place if we are simply aligned with you and have the heart of a servant. So, Lord, I pray tonight that this, in some way, this message, this time of worship has been refreshing for us, has been the refuel, God, that we need to get through the rest of this week and into the weekend and be able to come back on Sunday ready to worship you once again in your house. And, God, in these next few days ahead that we have this week, help us, God, to be like Joseph, Help us to not just be thinking of ourselves as we go through our day. Help us, God, to be attentive and observant to those around us. That maybe, Lord, it opens up an opportunity of service or encouragement in some way for us and for you. Help us, God, to use our giftedness, the things that you've given to us, God, to bring you glory and to bless others. And God, may we not be like the cupbearer who after Joseph helped him so greatly, Lord, he forgot about him, was oblivious, and just went on his way. Help us, God, to remember through appreciating and thanking others for helping us get to where we have gotten. And most of all, God, help us to remember you every day that God every day may we wake up in an attitude and heart of worship counting our blessings because Lord the greatest blessing of our life is you and our relationship with you go with us God take us home safely tonight wake us up tomorrow ready to be your servant we pray in Jesus name amen God bless. We'll see you next week.